The following episode contains explicit language and may not be suitable for young listeners. Hello, and welcome to the very first edition of Little City Big Sound. My name is David Pender Lofgren, and I will be your host. Thank you so much for hitting play on this inaugural episode. The plan for this podcast is this. Sit down with some luminary of the Bellingham music scene to talk with them about what they do and why they do it. I'm not limiting the scope to just musicians. The goal here is to talk to the breadth of characters that make our scene work. But we can't do it alone. So give this episode a listen, and then head over to our website, littlecitybigsound.com, where you can drop us a line, tell us what you think, and most importantly, tell us who you want to hear from. Now, with the housekeeping out of the way, let's dive in. This month's guest is a relative newcomer to the scene, but someone we've all been waiting to hear from. Aaron Gill moved to Bellingham in July and, within a matter of weeks, was signing a lease on the space that used to be the Green Frog. Former owner James Hardesty ran the Frog for a dozen years and built a scene that was nationally known and locally cherished. But alas, he closed up shop on New Year's Eve of 2017, and the space has remained empty ever since. I sat down with Aaron in mid-March to find out a bit about who she is and what her plans for the space are. Aaron Gill, welcome. Thank you. So good to be here today. So I don't think I'm overstating it to say that there has been quite a bit of buzz in town <laughs> about the space that used to be the Green Frog. I guess I'd like to begin by just asking you to sort of bring us up to speed on what's going on. What happened there? Yeah. <laughs> I got a text one night from my musician friend Mars who was like, hey, did you know that the frog is closing? You should totally like maybe do something about that. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? It's like one in the morning. Okay, I totally will. And I slept on it. And then I thought the next day I was like, oh, wait, that was a text. That wasn't just me dreaming some weird fragment of dream. Like what, what is going on here? So looked into it. Thought, there's no way this is going to happen, but uh, turns out a group of people came together with money that we could, and people who wanted to save what it was and see where it could be, and so here we are with a lease and a liquor license in in progress and health department in progress and books booking bands or bands booked or however that goes. What was the, what was the process like um, from getting that call from Mars? to actually putting together, I mean, it sounds like there are a few people involved with this, right? Yeah, there's three other people. Um, one who wants to remain, like, completely anonymous. He's just like, I want it to see, I want to see it be great again. I want to see it have beer and have music, and I don't want, you know, like, some douchebag to take it over. So he's like, here, I'm in. And then I have another friend who's in who's wants, he also just likes the bar scene, likes the community, um, had money, um, has actually lived with him for a moment, so he like knew how I worked and was like, yeah, I trust you, let's let's do this. And then he has a friend who also loved the frog and has money and was like, can I order the beer? And I'm like, yeah, sure, totally, let's do this. <laughs> so we all got together and uh, as a group decided to see, like, can we make this happen? Um, and then the property management company was like, yeah, yeah, you can make this happen. So what's the vision? Do you guys have... Uh sort of have an idea of what you want to create, how much of the old frog you want to keep around and how much of your own changes you want to implement? Uh, the only thing we had to drop entirely was the grilled cheese, which also makes me sad because that grilled cheese was, was something great. Um, but we want to keep the music. Um, James is actually still involved uh, with some of the booking while we're getting open and we'll see 
where that relationship takes us and how how much we need him to do, how much he wants to do. Um, but for now, we're keeping a lot of his style of music, bringing in some other styles, bringing in some other performance. Um, and just I want to make it a more inclusive performance space, but keep the spirit of of everything it was of bringing people together, um, of providing a stage for musicians to to play on, to to be paid, to to join and show off what we do. And I don't know, it's like this this little like Bellingham geode. I don't know if it's 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 a gem. It's a dirty gem. We like it. <laughs> I just want to keep being part of that. When you say uh, you want it to be a more inclusive space, what do you mean by that? Uh, so the frog did like a lot of bluegrass and Americana, which is great, but I'm not sure that I can stand 28 days of bluegrass and Americana. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and might like to, to have some Irish, to have some jazz, to have some, maybe a little bit of funk. Um... We booked something really cool that's like a jazz hip-hop fusion already. We'll see what happens. It sounds awesome. Um, Give comedy its spotlight back. Um, Maybe some burlesque. I think that'd be super fun. Just more things, more good things. Uh, So what do you see as sort of your role in this, in the new project here? Um, I'm going to be doing um, basically uh, bar managing, some, I mean, probably less booking at the moment, but just finding out who's interested in what. Um, bartending, I'll be behind the bar um, fairly frequently. Um, if we back up a little more, I think the reason that Mars uh, got a hold of me to begin with was because I was involved with opening Rhythm and Rye in Olympia, uh, which was a great stage and place for musicians to, and again, a strangely, a heavy craft beer, heavy whiskey, heavy live music focus, and he knew that I'd been involved in that for um, three years. They'll be open for four years later this month, which is very exciting. They're still there. They're still doing great. I love them. Um, so I just have the experience of being behind the bar and being able to cultivate relationships with, you know, the distributors that you need to have, knowing what whiskeys can do what. Um, I want to throw a little bit more, more cocktails behind the bar. I'm trying real hard to find a slushy machine or three because it's dumb and I want to. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. What was it like opening Rhythm and Ray? I mean, I didn't realize that you were part of the beginning the of opening. that. Um, I was just kind of there um, from the beginning. Um, Andy did a whole lot of the, I mean, he did almost all of the paperwork, the, the booking. He did all the booking, he did all the ordering uh, to begin with. And so at first it was just coming in knowing that I was going to be one of the bartenders. Um, we got the keys to that building um, from another bar that he had actually booked Hill Stomp at for them. Um, and then when we were taking over, we realized we were getting the keys five days before the show. <laughs> and so uh, we found three cases of sugar-free Rockstar. And by the end of that week and the 16-hour days, we were ready to go, and we had half a case left. And that was mostly my fault. <laughs> uh, do you feel like there are things that you... So if you were part of uh, starting the Rhythm and Rye thing... Uh, Opening rhythm and ride down in Olympia. That's like you said. That I mean, that's a music venue, and did a bunch of really cool drink stuff. Do you feel like there are things that you learned in that process that you're taking into this, either like you know pitfalls or <laughs> big successes? It was yeah. like you know, you know, that was a risk we took, and happy that we did. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I know never again to put mojitos on the Cinco de Mayo menu. That said, I know how to make mojitos very fast. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think that, I mean, a lot of what the frog did was, you know, a big list of whiskeys and a big list of beers, which is beautiful if that's what you're into. But if you're not, it's scary. And so I want to um, not compete with the red light next door because they're wonderful and those infusions are out of this world and those bartenders know what they're doing. It's amazing. But I don't want you to come in and be afraid to ask for a Cosmo because you're like, are they going to make fun of me? So simple, easy easy for the bartenders to make a menu and just highlighting that we can be more than a whiskey and beer bar because we're adding more styles and, you know, nothing says jazz like gin and uh, nothing says dance party and burlesque like maybe a little silly vodka drink and so just, you know, again, with including more, I want to include more. I just want to be the bartender who can make you whatever you want whenever you want it. It's really cool to hear um, about about your excitement for for make, mixing drinks and for like creating that facet of the business, you know? I mean, there are places in town who are into mixing drinks and there are places in town that are into live music, but I don't know that there's a place in town that is into both. <laughs> and that's really, I mean, that's really cool. It's one of, that is a thing that surprised and excited, I think, all of us at Rhythm and Rye, that that was a passion that I was bringing to the table and we didn't anticipate really doing it. But as, you know, seasons rolled around and we needed some kind of special and I started making them and started getting good at them, um, that people could come in and say, like, can you make me a Sazerac? And I'm like, heck yeah. And so can everyone else here because I've taught everyone how to make Sazeracs because I'm, I'm a nerd. Like, there's no reason to do that in a music venue. But I did it. And people loved it. So people would end up coming for music, being surprised that we had great cocktails. And, and everybody, like, learned from that. And so I just... I like surprising people. Mm. <laughs> Hello, Bellingham. What's up? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, well, I'm not, we're not going to be a craft cocktail bar. Like, there are too many good ones in town to even begin making that a thing. But I think at volume and being able to do it and having a staff who knows what they're doing with the 50,000 whiskeys on there, like, I don't know. Do you have, uh, speaking of staff, do you have people, have you hired people on yet or are you looking at? Hiring folks on, or how's, how's that process working? Uh, I'm keeping a couple of the Frogs old bartenders, um, or at least would like to, um, solidifying kind of agreements and shifts with them. Yeah, we're kind of, we're, look, we're at that point where we're looking at that level and seeing what do we anticipate? Do we need to bring an extra hole for opening night? Do we need, is everyone going to be happy with the shifts that are available? Which ones am I going to be working? Not Sundays. <laughs> I'm tired of working Sundays. <laughs> Well, you're the boss. Now you get to choose which days you want to work. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. um, Are you guys doing anything to the inside of the building? It's going to look real familiar. I'm not actually changing any architecture or uh, or anything. We're going to paint it, um, and we're going to look into getting some other kind of fun decorations going that reflect the theme um, of the new name. Um, Mikey, the old bartender there, is still involved, and he's getting very excited about wallpaper. Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm getting more excited about it since he talked to me yesterday. We got into space, and he's like, this, 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 and that there. And I'm like, okay, I can get on board with your excitement. <laughs> You've been in this building for two years. Let's see what happens. Can you talk about the new name? I can. We don't have a logo quite yet, but maybe by the time this is released, we will. Uh, we're calling it the Firefly Lounge um, because we wanted an animal name to follow up the green frog. Uh, you may, I'm a very fake redhead, um, and fireflies are fiery. Uh, but also, um, our entire coalition is a giant pile of nerds. And so we're definitely like, you can't take this guy from us. 
kind of a situation. That's a reference to Firefly, the series, right? Yes, we are aiming to misbehave <laughs> on 420. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, is it intimidating to like go, like be coming into a space that has a big, you know, sort of a strong history in the music scene? Or do you think that's a benefit? Like how, how do you assess that? I think it's more, more a benefit than a trial just because, you know, a couple of my partners have known it and loved it for so long that they – they know very much what they liked about it and what they didn't like about it. And I'm coming in new looking at the experiences I've had and what I've done and what worked there and looking to see like, well, if maybe the things you didn't like are something we don't have to do, or I, I know how to change that, or just like listening to the people around me, you know, I'm new to town. Like I have to listen to everybody and what they want because I would have no business coming in and being like, oh, here's a cool space. I'm just going to completely tear it down and redo it and you all better like it because that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> but to like be given this opportunity to join this community, which is so similar to what I had back home, um, is very exciting to me. And uh, I want to do right by it. But I also, I think that that space had some problems. And like I've talked to a bunch of people about, you know, oh, you liked the frog. What, what didn't you like? Like what didn't work? And people are very free with telling me things that they were tired of waiting for drinks. They didn't, you know, like the wait. Mostly it was like waiting. And I, you know, so we can streamline some things, speed some things up, you know, again, add more stuff because some people were like, James always booked great music, but sometimes we just kind of got tired of hearing the same thing. So I'm like, okay, let's do more. Let's do more of everything. So do you think, are you going to do something as uh, food-wise or are you just going to drop the food altogether? Um, I still think it's a good idea to have things like chips and nuts and pretzels. Um, but what we decided to do early on was reach out to food trucks to try to bring in, again, just as a community place and a community business, an opportunity for other businesses to link up with us. Um, and just that just seemed to make a whole lot of sense for all of us uh, to have a tiny staff to be able to devote, you know, that employee that was stuck in the kitchen to maybe, you know, bartending and barbacking to just give better service inside, not have to worry about running a kitchen. There's a lot of permits that have filled out already, and there would be even more. <laughs> we really wanted to get open and get doing this. When are you going to open? 420, Bellingham. I'm sure you can remember the date 420. <laughs> <laughs> Party of the year. <laughs> do you have plans for your opening day? I do. I do, I do. Uh, Stax Brothers and Baby Cakes have decided to come on board. Wow. That'll yeah. be a party. <laughs> it's going to be a party. And then on 421, I have my hometown band, uh, DBST, who just recently recorded something up here. Maybe they'll play us some cool stuff. But they are awesome people, and they also always bring a party. And they're hauling along down north out of Seattle. It's going to be so much fun. You guys should just come for all of it. What are the things that uh, make you nervous about doing this? I mean, there there have got to be some liabilities or some aspects of it that just kind of yeah. hope go well. Yeah. I mean, especially the 420 thing, we're going to have to lovingly remind you all that you can't smoke in the bar or on the premise because liquor control doesn't like that. That's an intoxicating substance that we have no control over. So please don't do that. Um, and then after that, it's just the usual, you know, drunk people, liabilities, making sure there's no fights. But it sounds like Bellingham and Olympia are pretty, pretty similar. Like not a whole lot of... I'm not anticipating a bunch of problems, but, you know, life is life and liquor's fun and things get out of hand. 
All right, we'll get back to my conversation with Aaron in a second, but I want to take a moment to ask you a favor. Little City Big Sound is looking for sponsors. So if you own a business or you know someone who owns a business that would be excited about advertising with us, surf on over to our website. Do do people still say surf when referring to the internet? Well, anyway, go to our website, littlecitybigsound.com, and click on the Support the Show tab to get in touch with us about putting your message here. Now, back to my conversation with Aaron Gill. Have you talked to James about the way he ran the frog or lessons that he's learned? I mean, is there anything, it sounds like he's still involved in at least the booking end of it. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there things that he's sort of said or conversations <laughs> you've had that have been like, try this, don't try that? Uh, he, he has a big reason we don't have a kitchen. He was just like, guys... You will lose your ass. Don't do it. And so we spent a, we spent a little bit of time figuring out like, is there a way we could do something? Just and settled pretty immediately on food trucks, um, just because we you know, we're gonna kind of small staff it for a while and figure out what works before we figure out where more money goes. And one of the you know biggest things James said was like, I spent a lot of money on payroll for that kitchen, and you know he made great grilled cheeses, but you know you couldn't get a lot of them out. You waited a long time for them. Yeah. So we ultimately decided it'd just be easier to dump the whole thing. And no bartender wants to go back there when they're busy and, you know, fire up anything, Um, especially at the volume that we would like to do, where it's just like beers and drinks and fun. So so the kitchen was a big one. Um, And then I'm deferring to James a lot on the music booking, because while we have a lot of similar connections, he's just been doing it for so much longer um, that it was really, really nice of him to continue to work with us. And kind of stay on board and give us his insights. Uh, are, are there any other acts? Can you say anything else about who, who's coming up in the month or so after you guys open? Um, Gefallingham is coming back. Um, Yoga Man Jordan is coming back for Soul Night for six months while he's on tour up here. So I've gotten a few a few things kind of lined up, but ultimately, like, James may be booking us a whole bunch of really cool surprises. You're working at the Village right now? Is I'm working, right? yeah, at the Village Inn right now. What's that like? They are some of the best people that I've ever worked for. Um, they treat everyone very fairly. Uh, it's a good place to work, and I would probably have been there a lot longer if this hadn't happened. <laughs> that said, their food is delicious. Go eat it, especially those crepes. You went to Evergreen. I did. And you studied theater tech too, right? And I did, so it's really embarrassing that I um, can't run my own soundboards because I have forgotten quite a bit of it. You did, uh, yeah, I did sound and, and lighting. Um, are there things that you feel like are transferable? Like, did you learn stuff that you ever once in a while think, like, oh, that's totally from theater tech world? Yeah, um, the something's going to go wrong, just plan for that um, mentality of coming into either every shift or project or whatever, I think has served me very well in um, bartending and the food and beverage world and there's a lot of things where I'm just like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Okay, just get it done. Just get it done. Like, the show has to go on. Uh, well, something broke. Okay, fine. What else do we have? Um, but just make it happen. Manage your expectations. Ultimately, put on a good show. Um, and, you know, deal with unreasonable drunk people. Like, I learned a lot. <laughs> learned a lot in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that you say it. it <laughs> It's striking how much uh, the 
like service industry and putting on a show are not really that different. Nope. Do you feel like you're putting on a show when you're behind the bar? Yep. I mean, no matter how shitty my day is, I, it is not my job to make your day worse. Like, it's my job to make your day better. So, I mean, once in a while I've complained that I twisted my ankle and I'm like, meh, people feel sorry for me. And people are like, oh, we feel sorry for you. But can we still have a beer? I'm like, yeah, totally. Um, but it's definitely about kind of putting where you're at in your day or your life or, you know, your, your rent's late, you're fought with your boyfriend, you know, you whatever. Um, but that can't show because the people coming in to see you are having those same problems and that's, that's not why they come to you. Um, I'm there to make sure that a good time is had by all, you know, not to put my problems on a platform. So in that case, uh, it's kind of, it is putting on a show and even more so when you have a show that you're putting on, um, yeah, you've been down to making sure you don't run the dishwasher during someone's like quiet guitar solo. Uh, yeah, they're very, I think very, very similar. Uh, if you had to describe your character, the character that you play when you're behind the bar, how would you describe them? I know what I'm doing all the time. That's my character. Uh, I feel like a good third of the time I'm just absolutely losing my mind. And uh, especially if it's busy, we're like, I don't know which way is sideways. It's all sideways. And the walls are on fire. Um, but I, I feel like my character definitely has to be more in control than that. And... Uh, Yeah, I think I used to be kind of this this lovable, ooh, I don't really know, but let me figure it out, or let's go on this journey together. And I, you know, still, I'm sure we'll do that with as far as my exploration, but now I have to know what I'm talking about because I'm the boss. I'm going to see how long I can get away with being behind the bar and saying, oh, I don't really know, um, let me ask the owner about that later. What do you guys have left to get done between now and April 20th? <laughs> so much. <laughs> We've had one cleaning party um, that did a miraculous job of mucking out the kitchen space and the uh, uh, back deck space, but there's still a ton of like kitchen gear that eventually I'd like to to sell off and get rid of some, make a little bit of money back, get it out of there. Um, there's a lot of to-go boxes. Um, probably gonna try to donate some of that since we're not gonna use it. Um, we already donated a bunch of the food. Um, one of the people who was helping out was like, oh, I work with the food bank. And I was like, you can take whatever will work for you. Just take it. Uh, so that helped. But cleaning, and then we get to do the painting, and then we get to get the sound system back in, and then we get to put maybe some wallpaper on the walls. Um, and then there's still some work to be done. You, you've come into town. You've been here for, I don't know, what is it, nine months at this point? Does it feel like you're playing catch-up, trying to sort of figure out who everybody is and what the dynamics are and all of that stuff? Yeah, there are so many people to know that I don't know yet, and I'm, I'm excited to meet them. Um, I think it is a little strange as someone who's, like, joining on the, like, business owner level to not know some of these people. Like, I've known them by name, but haven't necessarily met them yet. You know, it took me forever to meet Rebecca next door at Red Light. Um, so you grew up in Olympia, or the Olympia area, is that right? Yeah. And you lived there, and essentially, Evergreen's in Olympia, so essentially you lived there through nine months ago or whenever, mm -hmm. July. I did, ease. Is it, 
is it strange to come into a community and and uh, sort of for the first time be in like a world where you don't know all the people? You, it's not second nature to get around town. That is weird. It's actually been kind of nice to be able to walk around downtown and explore bars and explore what's going on without having a bunch of people um, be like, Aaron, this, this, this. Like I couldn't, there was kind of a time where I, I couldn't really go four blocks without, in a timely manner, um, which is something that I don't necessarily miss, but it's weird and, and it's nice to to be the new kid. Um, yeah. I moved here when, like from Maine, from the East Coast. And I think one of the first things that really struck me was that sort of like it's – we take for granted what it's like to build our community when we're kids, right? Like you just – you grow up together. You get put in school together. So this like group of people that you're around it just becomes the group of people you're around. College, same thing. It's like, you know, you get put in this place where everyone is eager to make new friends. You're all freshmen together, right? Right. Yeah. And then showing up in Bellingham, I it took a long time for me to remember, like, or to realize for the first time, oh God, you you have to work at like building a community. Yeah, it's it's real. It is interesting. I remember, like, when I was young, I didn't make friends easily or well because I was very shy and pretty much just didn't want to. If I could have just eaten lunch in the library and foregone that entire terrifying cafeteria situation, I would have because you don't have to sit next to anybody in the library, and that's fine. Um, but since college kind of broke me out of that shell a little bit, like, I can't imagine if I was that shy child trying to move to Bellingham, ha- having, I'd probably just spend all day in bed, honestly. Um, but I mean, having visited up here and having a few friends like from the bar industry who did like crossover or kind of were like, oh, you should meet this person, um, that it's helped. I kind of have a little, like gained a bit of a foothold and just sort of a little bit of confidence to approach people like, oh, hi. Oh, you know, so-and-so. I, you know, that guy was my roommate for, for a minute. Like, what? Oh, this is cool. And then it's just easier to find ways to connect with people, even on just the the first, like, hello level, <laughs> which would have been very difficult for me 15 years back, even. What happened in college that you were able to become more social? I just, it was college, and it was huge, and it was... You know, I went to Evergreen, which is close, but having gone through, like, elementary school, middle school, high school with the same people who, you know, knew me as this very quiet, shut-in, shy person to go to college where no one knew that and that I could reinvent, be like, wait a minute, like, what if I do try saying hello to people, which old Aaron would never have done, but new Aaron can because it's a big town and big campus, and if I fuck it up, I'd never have to see them again anyway, so, hey, can I bum a smoke? Like, oh, like... I broke a lot of ice through smoking cigarettes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's a great social skill. It's true. You moved to town in July. I did. And you did that with no knowledge of the Green Frog stuff. You just moved to town because... I just moved to town. Um, I'd been dating someone up here for a little over a year, and it was at the point of, do we want to continue seeing each other because this trip is getting ludicrous, or who, who goes where? So I looked into taking over another spot downtown, and that just didn't pan out. And then I looked into getting a job, and that did. <laughs> so then, yeah, I just started bartending again and figured I'll just see where life takes me. And then the frog fell out of the sky. 
when did you make when did you know you were going to make the decision like when when did it go from sort of an idea to like a okay now this is going to happen to like a <laughs> oh god i just did this thing uh to when we got the email from the property management company saying hey guess what your lease was approved <laughs> like cuz up until then i was like you know, this isn't going to pan through the, you know, not going to get a, I won't find the money. My partnership team won't, oh, someone's going to back out or, oh, there'll be something wrong. We're not going to get the lease. And so, you know, whatever, don't have to worry about it. Oh, 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 come sign tomorrow. Okay. So that's happening. (laughs) Like that, that's when I was like, oh, I'm doing this. Was the next day just like, okay, time to jump into action or did it take a little while to set in? So that happened at the very beginning of my, my work week. Um, so then it still took, a f- we signed it, went to work, had keys in my pocket and was like, this is, oh, that's weird. What do these keys do? Why do I have them? Um, and then kind of, I think once that work week was finished and I had a day off and I woke up and was like, I really do have keys to the green frog. Holy shit. I've got to do something about the green frog. <laughs> um, and then it's been just trying to find time ever since. Um, we'll get there. We're getting in there on Sunday, so. Well, you're getting in there on Sunday as in you haven't actually been into the space until Sunday? We have been in, yeah. We, well, we've been into the space. It's just we haven't, so like th- the other three dudes all worked nine to fives or like Monday through Friday jobs. And so I'm the one who, like, even though, like, I know what kitchen stuff is worth something and what's not, or I, you know, I just, I haven't been able to work with them in the space. But I think I finally trained my replacement at the village, and she's ready to go on Sunday, so I can start getting in there with everyone else because we're all bringing different ideas and areas of expertise. Like, I do not have a strong tech side anymore. Um, I don't have the website thing. That's They're working on that. But So it's just going to be, like, finally getting into gear and getting into that space and clearing out what's worth it and what's not and things we all agree on and because you know some of us we've all been in there periodically but have been afraid to really do a whole lot without making sure like we don't want to throw something away that's worth something or worth something to someone else or and like while we know it it can't be the same we still want to keep as much of what made it good as possible what do you want your role to be in the bellingham music scene um i liked very much like what the frog was doing is just giving people a platform to to play to um but you know at at a certain level of like these are professional musicians you're going to come in you're going to see a good show you're going to trust that we bring music of a quality that it doesn't matter that you don't know who they are or what's going on you're just like oh we're going to go to the firefly because we know they're going to have something cool on stage i just think that having that respected intimate show space is very important you know i want a bar where i can hang out and have a good drink but also maybe see someone that I, you know, didn't know that existed, but then, then I like them and then I buy their CD and then I go see their show again and someone just needed to take over the reins and that's, and keep the integrity of what was happening there. Um, I believe strongly in highlighting what a like local region can do. Um, when I was in Olympia, I would usually craft my menus and my cocktails on using as many local things as possible. The Sailor Sea Liqueurs, local whiskeys, local vodkas, uh, pairing it with local music that would work out, like Sometimes I'd ask musicians, like, hey, what's your favorite drink? I'm going to make a twist on it, name it after you. Um, 
just because I think small towns like Olympia and Bellingham that are sandwiched between major art cities um, were also artsy and creative in our own way. And I think highlighting what we do is very important so that we don't just get lost. Um, because, you know, what makes us great is just that we can be friendlier, that we can exercise more creativity, we can do something weird and have a good chance of it working because, you know, our friends are still going to show up. <laughs> um, like, we're not competing with all the noise of a larger city, but equally I want us to stand out and be on the map with those larger cities. Um, have you ever done anything this big? This is, uh, I mean... More more solo than I've done before, so this is... I definitely have more responsibility here and more resting on me doing it right and me treating it with the respect and integrity that it deserves. Because I can't just be like, oh, well, stupid boss, why didn't he order Jameson? What a loser. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's me now. So, <laughs> like, it all ultimately comes down to me, which is probably the most responsibility I've had in a in a thing. Are you scared of being the boss? A little bit. It's scary. Like, I think to pretend that I, I'm like, nah, I got this would just be like hubris waiting for lightning bolts at that point. Like, that, that, that's the recipe for everything going wrong in the world. And, and that's scary. So I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a little scary. But I, you know, I think I can get it done. I got a good group of people behind me. I've got a community who wants me doing it. Um, yeah. It's true, Aaron. I think I speak for more than just myself when I say that we want nothing but the best for you and the crew at the Firefly Lounge. I actually stopped by and poked my head in a few weeks after we recorded our interview, and the place looks incredible. They've left enough of the old to keep it familiar, but there have been some updates to the design and the lighting that make for what I think will be a really cool vibe. Here's to hoping for a very successful beginning. And speaking of successful beginnings, that's a wrap on the first ever episode of Little City Big Sound. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. We'll be releasing a new interview each month. Until then, you can subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to me right now. You can head to our website to sign up for our mailing list, and I promise we'll only send you an email when we release a new episode. Thank you again to Aaron Gill for being our first guest. This month's interview was recorded and edited by Andy Rick, theme music written and performed by Andy Rick, and our logo was designed by Andy Rick. Thanks for everything, Andy. Next month, a conversation with Brent Cole, founder and editor-in-chief of Bellingham's first monthly music publication, What's Up Magazine. I had a blast talking with Brent about covering Bellingham's music community for the past 20 years. He told me some great stories about our little city's musical past, including the shenanigans that used to occur at the legendary 3B Tavern. They got two buckets full of Rainier, you know? And we have a picture of them throwing it on Chet and the whole band. And it's literally a wall of beer coming at these guys and he's playing you know he's playing a song and he's just getting beer thrown at him in a bucket it was that kind of place where they, they gave a shit and they were gonna have fun join us next month for that and so much more